Good evening and welcome to First Baptist Church, Bowling Green, Kentucky for this special edition of Wednesday Night Worship. We are so thankful that you've joined us as we continue on our journey through faith stories. As we have been journeying through Hebrews chapter 11, which is known as the great hall of faith, looking back at the lives of all these great heroes of the faith. But as we navigate that journey, we also want to look at the lives of folks right here in our own community who are living out their faith in a way that makes the world a better place. And today we have Al and Edna Lindholm with us, and we're going to get to hear their story as they have trusted and followed Jesus for many years. And that journey has taken them to a lot of very interesting places. But before we begin, let's join our hearts together in prayer. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much that you are our God who has come near, that you so loved us that you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose again from the grave, that we might be forgiven of our sin and find everlasting life in Christ. And so, Lord, in that context, we're so thankful for the Lindholms and for their stories of faith in Christ and that their journey of trusting and following Jesus has taken them to many places and allowed them to serve you in many contexts. So. As we hear that story tonight, may we be encouraged and may we be stirred to live out our faith in a way that makes the world a better place. We ask your blessing on our time together tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Al and Edna Lindholm, you are no strangers to First Baptist Church, Bowling Green, Kentucky. This has been something of a home base for you all throughout your years of Christian service. Um, but we want to start a little bit before then. We want to hear your story. And Edna, you have said that you'd like to go first. And so, Edna, tell us your story of faith in Jesus Christ. Well, right before I was nine years old, I was in my church in Cadiz, Kentucky, and on Sunday night in the children's program, we memorized this verse from Revelation 3 that said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in. I knew it without a doubt. And that night I opened my heart to Jesus and became a Christian. That's wonderful. Cadiz, Kentucky, over Cadiz in Trigg County. And over here to your left is your husband, Al. And Al, you didn't come from Cadiz, Kentucky. So tell us a little bit about your story of faith in Jesus Christ. Well, I may have come from a smaller town in California from Cadiz, Kentucky. <laughs> and um, I grew up in a Baptist church, which at first was a mission. My parents were active in establishing a mission in one of the neighboring towns. Hmm. And so I was always in church I even got to eat the communion after communion was over because <laughs> my mom made the communion. Uh, the bread. Bread. Oh, wow. Bought the Welch's grape juice. <laughs> so along about six years old, I really had the feeling, and I hadn't talked to anybody, um, that Jesus was speaking to me and that I should come forward at the invitation. And... Uh, I had received a lot of training, I'm sure, but all I remember is when I accepted Jesus, this sense of peace, I think I had a big smile. I used to smile a lot more than I do now. <laughs> um, I remember one of my earliest verses was, I was glad when they said unto me, let us come into the house of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And the last part of uh, the 23rd Psalm, uh, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. That's wonderful. So you're in California. You're in Cadiz. 
How did your journeys intersect so that you've been married now for a few years? Well, it had to do with Ethiopia. Okay, so (laughs) Cadiz and California and then Ethiopia Mm -hmm. on the other side of the world. Tell us that story. Um, We actually met because my brother and sister-in-law were some of the, well, they were the first native-born Californians appointed by the Foreign Mission Board. Uh, They went originally to Nigeria, but because of the conflict between the Igbo and the Hausa in northern Nigeria and the fact that my brother had tried to get the uh, wounded off the streets and accepted the hospital, they were no longer welcomed by the <clears throat> Nigerian government. Wow. So they went to eventually to Ethiopia, where they had their children in school when Edna showed up to be a teacher at the school there. Wow. And so they got acquainted, and they had invited Edna up to see their work in the northern plateau part of the country of Ethiopia. And so when they came back to uh, the States after Ethiopia, after Edna had returned, they discovered that Edna was going to visit my hometown in California because her brother was working there at the California State Polytechnic University. Hmm. That's really something. So let's back up just a second. Would you care to tell us that story? Okay. When I was a senior at Western, um, I realized that getting a job was more than getting a job. Okay. I knew that God wanted me to be where he wanted me to be. And I had never really thought, where does God want me to be? I was planning my future. And I saw a film on missionary journeymen going overseas to do whatever they were educated to do. And I applied for a job to teach. And I was asked to go to Addis Ababa, Ethiopia and teach in a um, boarding school for children, and that's what I did. And my second year there, I taught this young man named Jonathan Lindholm. I found out that Jonathan had an uncle in my brother's town, and I went to visit my brother, and there was Al. Now, my sister-in-law had written me when she discovered that Edna was coming to San Luis and said, we know Miss Hughes from Ethiopia. She's a fine young Christian lady. You should meet her, and she makes good bread and cookies. <laughs> so that's, that's all you needed to know. Huh? Yeah. In Ethiopia, if you wanted American cookies or American bread, you probably needed to make it yourself, and I had learned to make bread and cookies. That's really something. So the Lord brought you together, and how many years have you been married now? Oh, boy, you answered that. 45, 45. almost. Almost 45 yeah. years. That's wonderful. In December. Well, thank you for your faithfulness and uh, thank you for your journey. As you've trusted and followed Jesus together as a married couple, um, God has led you to a a lot of places. And uh, tell us a little bit about your journey and where the Lord has led you to serve Him. Well, at first I was a fire captain with the state of California Wildland Fire Control. That's a big job. And so we were living there in California for the first year. I was active in the First Baptist Church there. I'd been at the Nazarene Church, which was kind of the college church, but Edna said, we have to go to the Baptist Church. (laughs) So they had me teaching Sunday school, and I realized in doing that to the young adults that there was a whole lot I didn't know. And at some point, um, the Lord said, Al, you could go to seminary. 
So we said, okay, we've been married a year, which is biblical. <laughs> and so we went up to Golden Gate Seminary mm -hmm. and we said, well, the Lord's calling us to go to seminary. Um, some people started asking me, they said, now, Al, you know, this is a vocational school. What are you doing here? Are you going to be a preacher boy? And I thought, no, I don't think so. But I had no idea until um, we had the former president of the Foreign Mission Board uh, do the missions presentation in May of that year. And he gave too simple an uh, invitation. He said, if you're willing to serve wherever the Lord uh, would call you, please stand up. So I stood up and Edna was standing there beside me and I'm looking at it, you know. And later on, she told me that's the reason that she thought we were in seminary all along. But really? until that point, I had no idea. A month before I met Al, I was scheduled to go back to Ethiopia and teach in the school where I had taught before. Really? But because of the political situation in Ethiopia and the unrest, I couldn't go. And within a month, I met Al and it was like, God's going to get you overseas again. Wow. You know, look out for ways to go. That's great. So she, she had a direct line to the Lord. She knew what was going on and, and she was just bringing you along until the Lord spoke to your heart. I've always just had fun. I was having fun in seminary. <laughs> so there you are standing uh, in response to this call. If you're willing to serve the Lord wherever he would call you. So, so what happened next? Well, we looked through all the job requests and uh, um, we looked at maybe an encampment director in Brazil. And then Edna found this one from Yemen. And she had actually visited Yemen because some of the journeymen that she went through training with were in Yemen. So she went there one, I guess it was a Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I said, Al, look, here's a hospital who needs maintenance workers. And Al fixed everything at our house. And he worked in this fire station that needed work sometimes we and he would repair. And, and I said, you could do this, not knowing what hospital repair involved. Sure, sure. We were in Yemen about uh, 25 I, years to 27 years. What, what language is spoken there? Uh, Arabic. Well, I ask that because you, you all astonish me. Arabic mm -hmm. is somewhere beyond the scope of what I can wrap my mm -hmm. mind around and you all can just read it and speak it and, and, and do so well, very casually. Well, to an extent, so, well, after 17 years. <laughs> it's very impressive, very impressive. What was really hard, women my age and women visit women and men in most Arab countries would visit men, but women my age did not speak English. I knew maybe two or three women mm who could speak English to me. And I am not good at language, but I had to learn language for mothers and mm. housekeepers. Wow, that's really remarkable. And so during that time, you were working in the hospital, you were taking mm -hmm. care of maintenance issues and things of that nature, and you yes. all were building relationships with people. Mm -hmm. And uh, So when I started in the maintenance department, there was only one person that spoke English amongst the maintenance workers. And so I had to learn at a very basic level, you know, this is a screw, this is a nail, this is a piece <laughs> of wood. And just to repeat that over and over and begin to talk to the guys. Um, we were responsible as a group for uh, six generators. They produced all their own electricity. We had three wells, we had a couple of water tanks, we had 
15 cars and 27 buildings and, wow. and about, uh, I think, about 18 acres. That's really that remarkable. Had, with fence around it because uh, we had to control how people got to see the doctor. Hmm. Otherwise, there would be no rest for the doctors at really? all. And if our electricity <clears throat> went off in our house, it mean, meant it went off in the hospital also, which was dangerous. And Al was out of the house, I think, within five seconds. Oh, my goodness. And because of him, we had electricity almost all the time in our home. That's really pretty remarkable. I mean, we think about even, even here where we are now, the electricity can go out if there's a storm or something of that nature. So that's really, that's an important job, particularly within the context of a hospital when you have lives literally that's depending right. upon that. You've got people in the operating room and that electricity has to come back on or not go off pretty quickly. My goodness. So uh, alongside your work within the hospital, your work visiting with women, um, what did the Lord teach you during that time? What did you see? What lessons uh, have kind of been imprinted on your souls by that time in Yemen? Love people, mm -hmm. accept them, but be willing and eager to tell them who I am mm -hmm. and what I believe, why I believe it, and how I got to where I am today. Sure. And I think it was just seeing the Lord at work. Um, we had been freer, it's, uh, and the mission had been freer sometime before we arrived to share the gospel and open presentation. Um, and some time before they even had Bibles out uh, available in the outpatient department that people could pick up. Mm. But because of the results of that, the local authorities put more and more pressure, you know, don't do that. They, they really appreciated the medical work, but um, for instance, uh, there were some young men that came into the outpatient department. They discovered the Bible. They took it home and read it. They become Christian. There were seven of them. They came back from their village. It was some distance away to preach in the outpatient department. Oh my. And as a result of that, um, most likely they were killed by the villagers. My goodness. Uh, they were given ultimatum, sort of the families. It's family honor. Mm. Honor and shame is a big thing in the Middle East. So God was at work there. Um, there were many uh, believers who would, um, they loved Jesus, they loved the story, but they either didn't make a commitment or they were very secretive about it. Mm -hmm. So we weren't we were able to talk to people if they asked questions, we could honest answer, honestly answer. Parties are really <clears throat> important in the Arab world. Women would get together every afternoon practically, but that was not a time to share. Your sharing about who I am as a Christian would be one-on-one -on -one really? with mm -hmm. people as I felt that they were willing to listen. Hmm. Now, we did still have a chapel service where uh, up until a point again, we were able to have the men on one side and the women on the other, and we would sing some gospel songs, and one person would tell a story from the Bible. Uh, but that got shut down uh, about the time that uh, Muslim fundamentalism started to uh, come out of Egypt and out of Iran. Really? And so that ended very abruptly. So you all have seen what it is to live out your faith in, in a hostile environment, in a place where truly 
putting your faith in Jesus and actively trusting and following Jesus Christ as your Lord um, puts your life at stake uh, and you lived out your faith. What, what can we learn in the United States of America, in our South Central Kentucky context, what can we learn from your experience and how has your experience shaped your ministry as you've returned to this context? Kind of look at me. <laughs> well, I think one of the biggest things is we were not so much afraid. I was asked, weren't you afraid? But first part, we didn't have time to be afraid, but we also had community, even amongst the Yemenis. Mm -hmm. And we functioned within that community, and they were often looking out for our safety as well. Um, so if you build the relationships and respect and you're doing what the Lord is directing you to do. You're helping the widows and the orphans. You're helping the poor. Um, people respect that from, from any direction. We had a friend who would come to our door when things were uneasy in the city where we lived and say, do not go downtown. If you need anything, you tell me, I will go. So having good friends mm -hmm. that you trust and that they know they can trust you is so important. And being a friend is loving them, letting them know who you are, and being around helping them. Mm -hmm. So really, your journey came down to the Great Commission and the Great Commandments, that we would love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and, and love strength, our neighbors and then we would love our neighbor as ourselves. And, and who it's okay. is our neighbor? It's okay for your neighbor to love you back. That's right. Right. That's right. And one thing that was a big help, we had two children. Mm -hmm. Our son was a year old when we went to the Middle East. Our daughter was born in our Baptist hospital in the Middle East. And because we had children, we fit in with the community because everybody had children. And our children would go out and play with their children and act like their children. And because they were nice children, mm -hmm. the parents accepted us as friends. That's so important. So you really became knit within the community, even mm -hmm. though you're from a different place, you spoke a different language, you um, come from a, had come from a different culture and, and had a different religious system altogether. Um, you were able to come in and, and love them with the love of Christ and to find that community. That's so vitally important. And one of the things that a lot of experts are talking about now is that even in our own culture, um, evangelism, sharing the story of Jesus is seen increasingly in, in a negative light. And so that we need to learn, uh, even in our context, some of the lessons that you all learned in a context where the gospel wasn't necessarily a welcome thing and the story of Jesus wasn't a welcome thing, but you were able to, to live out your faith in a way that tore down walls that otherwise would have prevented you from building relationships with these folks and, and sharing the gospel. Um, anything else that you want to share? We were some of the few Christian people that a lot of our friends knew. Mm -hmm. And um, I think they trusted us, which was very important to us. And knowing that they could trust a Christian, I think made an impression on them. Sure. Well, there's a lot that we can learn from your journey. And I want to say thank you on behalf of First Baptist Church for coming home and for continuing to serve the Lord here and continuing. It's a pleasure, yeah. 
Well, you, you have your community of Sunday School and the various groups of which you're a part, but you also take on leadership roles, both of you, uh, to serve. And whether that is serving through um, our food pantry ministry that we call Helping Hands, or whether that is serving through Operation Christmas Child, uh, or maybe being voluntold to be the leader of that ministry. Um, what, uh, what needs but, to be done. <laughs> that's right. Well, all the various ways that, that God has gifted you all to serve, you continue to do exactly what you said you would do so many years ago. Serve the Lord in whatever place He calls us to be. And I want to say thank you for that. And thank you for sharing your story with us. And if you have not yet met the Lindholms and you're part of our First Baptist community, you need to get to know them. They are wonderful, wonderful people and they will deeply encourage your soul. We always end with a word of prayer and uh, I would invite all of us to join our hearts together to pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you so much for Al and Edna and for their stories. We thank you that you called them through your gospel, by your spirit, to repent of their sins, to trust and follow you. And we're thankful, Lord, that that was a beginning point of a journey that they continue to navigate with their eyes fixed on Jesus to say, Lord, wherever you lead, we will go. Whatever you want, we will do. We will trust you and we will follow you. And Lord, so many people have benefited from that willingness to serve you wherever you lead. I thank you for their family. I thank you for their children. And I thank you, Lord, for their ministry as it continues to bless not only this community, but communities all around the world. And before we draw our time together to a close, yet again, Lord, we join our hearts and our minds and even our voices to pray that prayer that our Lord Jesus taught us to pray. And in so doing, we will answer the question, Whose Father? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this special edition of Wednesday Night Worship. And we want to invite you to join us this Sunday morning at 11 a.m. as we gather to worship our risen Savior. His name is Jesus. God bless you.